Well, Colson, you got to love when uh, your dad is able to come off the bench and fill in for you. Uh, my father was able to do that last week for me as uh, Mary and I were uh, up in Santa Barbara at the Bacara Resort celebrating our 11th year anniversary. So now we won't be able to afford a vacation for another five years. <laughs> um, I want you to do me a favor this morning. On the count of three, I want us to say all together, I love this church, okay? One, two, three. I love this church. Very good. Very, very good. Well, I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. So excited to see all of you here this morning. If you're visiting or just passing through, we're so excited that you've decided to come and be here with us this morning. And we hope and pray that our services uh, are uplifting to you and beneficial to your journey of faith. Uh, And if you haven't done so already, if you're visiting or if you're looking for a church home, we've got a card in the back of your pew that we would love for you to fill out uh, and pass it in into a box. There's a box out in the foyer. Put that in there. We'll make sure we reach out and touch you and invite you back to, uh, to our services here because I believe we have a wonderful church and everyone here said this morning that they love this church. So there you go. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I, if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. And this morning we're going to be studying chapter 9 uh, together. Luke chapter 9. Go ahead and open up your Bibles And as you get there, will you please join me in a a word of prayer this morning as, as we begin? Dear Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present in this place as we study together the words of life contained in this book that we call the Bible. Lord, open up our hearts, speak to us in a profound way, and I pray that you would bestow upon me the gift of preaching as we study your word together this morning. We love you. We thank you. It's through Jesus that we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, When Jesus had called twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he set them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming and preaching the gospel and healing people wherever they went. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all that was going on and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others, that Elijah had appeared, and still others, one of the prophets of long ago, had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this? I hear such things about. And he tried to see them. I wonder 
if it was in the evening when Jesus called this special meeting of 13 men. I wonder if they were huddled in some kind of tent or some kind of a small hut outside of the city walls or the camp because of fear of persecution. I wonder if they were dressed in long tunics with some kind of covering over their faces to conceal their identity from the Roman soldiers who galloped on horses past them looking for people who belonged to the way. I wonder what it was like if Jesus was kneeled down with his apostles, his dedicated men, and said this to them in a whisper. I give you authority and I give you power. Now go preach the kingdom of God and heal every manner of sickness. And I wonder what these 12 men were thinking at that point. Jesus, you're calling us to do an impossible task. You're giving us this power and this authority and you want us to go heal and to preach the gospel, but these people are seeking to take our lives. Without a doubt, this gift is going to cause more attention to us. Jesus, I don't want to go through that kind of pain. Jesus, I don't want to have that type of death. Because I remember what happened to your cousin John. For just preaching the gospel, Herod beheaded him. And literally took his head and served it on a silver platter. Jesus, what are you telling me to do? You're calling me to do an impossible task. And I wonder if Jesus said to his disciples at that point, don't worry. Huh? What are you talking about, Jesus? Don't worry. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your provisions. Jesus even says in this text, don't take a weapon or a staff with you. Don't take a bag. Don't bring food. Don't bring money. Don't even bring a coat if it's cold outside because the people that you are going to be trying to reach are the ones that are going to somehow take care of you. And I bet you the disciples are saying, yeah, right. Jesus, what are you calling me to do? And I can just imagine at that moment, those men huddled down and Jesus putting his arms around them and saying a collective prayer. And then they exit and they go begin to preach the gospel message in the region. Have you ever been asked to do something that you weren't completely comfortable with? A task that just seemed too impossible to accomplish. Kind of like asking the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen, okay? It's just, it's just not going to happen. Have you ever heard this saying before? No pain, no gain. Have you heard that before? No pain, no gain. It's a saying that means a person has to go through extreme difficulty in order to attain their ultimate goal. This, this saying teaches us that anything worth having is worth working hard for. 
It's a statement that tells us you get out what you put in. Or maybe you recognize this statement. It's like a mother saying to their children, your room is not going to clean itself. Amen. You see, God wants his disciples to put forth a tremendous amount of effort in serving the kingdom. But you see, this type of effort requires self-denial. And self-denial can be painful. But if there is no pain, there can be no gain. Jesus' self-denial was very painful because he offered his body up on a cross for you and me. And if you've done any reading or any research on how crucifixions work, you know that they weren't pleasant. It wasn't like a spa treatment or anything like that. Very, very painful and very difficult. What commentators say is that crucifixion was designed to produce fear. I mean, just imagine it. You see your buddy hanging up on a cross in front of everybody struggling to breathe. It was a humiliating experience because the bodies were left on the cross for onlookers to see to say, don't you dare try to preach this gospel message and reveal this truth. Used to incite fear, trepidation, and worry. And what I understand is that the cross, crucifixion, was a slow and extremely painful death. It took a long time. And we also need to know that the cross typically weighed over 300 pounds. And you remember what Jesus had to do with that cross. He had to carry it up the hill to be crucified. But prior to him carrying the cross, what happened to him? The Bible tells us that Jesus was lashed 39 times. And typically, 40 lashes was the punishment. But because the Jews didn't want to overstep their boundary with the law, because they didn't want to go overboard and mess up on discipline, they gave him 39 lashes. And these lashes were terrible because the whip that they used contained pieces of bone fragment, gravel, stones, and they whipped him on his back 39 times, and then they made him take the cross, and the cross being usually weighed about 150 pounds, and they made him walk it up the hill to where he was going to be crucified. My goodness, think about the pain that Jesus endured. The cross was so heavy, in fact, that he couldn't carry it alone. He needed someone to help him. But guess what? Through Jesus' pain, we have gained something that is just simply amazing. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Through his pain, we have gained salvation. But Jesus' disciples didn't understand what he was about to go through. 
And that's why they said stuff like this. Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. Whatever death you encounter or hardship, we're going to be right there with you, Jesus. They did not have a clue about the terrible treatment that Jesus was going to go through. Let's pick back up in Luke chapter 9 and let's continue on with the story. You remember what happened after this text. The Bible tells me that, that Jesus was with his disciples and a whole bunch of people were following him. And they got hungry. And his disciples were with Jesus and they said, Jesus, what are we going to do with these people? They're hungry. They need something to eat. Jesus said something to his disciples. You know what he said? You give them something to eat. And the apostles said, we only have five loaves and two fish. How are we going to do this? Jesus said, put it in my hands. I got this. I'll take care of it. Make sure they sit in groups of 50. And then go around and pass out the fragments. And they did that. And food was left over. Can you imagine this? And he fed 5,000 men, not including women and children. And you know men can eat, right? I mean, an amazing task. And then after this experience, I can imagine Jesus laying back with his disciples after they had been filled off of salmon or tilapia or whatever they were eating. I don't know, right? <laughs> yes. And they all sitting together looking at one another. And then Jesus begins a prayer away from the crowd. Some people think that Jesus was antisocial, but he had to get away because so many people were pressing upon him and wanted his attention all the time. So he stepped away and he prayed. And as he was praying, the Bible says he asked his disciples a very profound question. Read with me. Verse number 18 and following. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets of a long time ago, have come back to life. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would be my disciple, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Again, I wonder if Jesus was with his disciples after this miraculous event had occurred and Jesus said, who do these people think that I am? And the disciples said, well, maybe John the Baptist, maybe Elijah, maybe one of the prophets. And then he said, who do you think I am? We ask that question to people all the time today, don't we? Who do you think Jesus is? And some people say, well, he was a good character. I saw the Son of God, so he was a good, he was a good man. I heard about him. He did some good things. But when it comes to us, when, when we talk about Jesus, we say he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ. And when we say Messiah, we are saying that he is the Savior of all of humanity. And we truly believe that. And because we believe that, what does it require us to do? What is the requirement now if we believe that Jesus Christ really is the Messiah, the Son of God? Well, Jesus gives it to us in very clear and plain, simple 
English. He says here, if any would come after me, he's got to deny himself. And then he's got to take up his cross. And then he's got to follow me. You see, only certain people are under, able to understand this mystery. Only, only a certain few. And you understand this mystery. I understand this mystery. And we say that we know that the Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Savior. And our lives, as we know them from this point on, should never be the same. We should be changed people because we know that Jesus really is the Savior. We can't live in mediocrity or spiritual apathy because of what he did for us on the cross. We can't do that. Since we know Jesus, we are called to live an above average existence where we are concerned about the things of the kingdom first. And that's why he says in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But in order to put the kingdom first, Jesus tells us to do something. If you really want to be Jesus' disciple, church, and I know you do, if I truly want to be Jesus' disciple, what does he command me to do? The first thing he says is make sure, Jason, that you deny yourself. I don't know about you, but that's something I don't really want to hear. Especially in today's culture, deny myself? Put aside some pleasure? Don't, don't do something that I really want to go do? Deny yourself. That's right. And take up your cross daily and follow me. So the question I have for you this morning is how are you doing with your cross carrying? You know, I, I often ask the Lord, um, what kind of cross did you give me to carry? You know, because when I read this text, I'm going, wow, this is something profound. What kind of cross or burden am I carrying? You see, um, I'm not sick with cancer. I don't have to deal with sickness. Some people here do have to deal with sickness, and that's a heavy cross. I'm not poor. Well, now I am after Bacar, but anyway, I... <laughs> my family is well. I live in America. I'm not persecuted because of my faith. I have a nice, comfortable church building to come worship in, and I get to sit in nice, comfy pews. What kind of cross am I carrying? What is it that you've called me to do, Lord? But guess what? That's the thing about it. God has blessed us so richly that many of us don't have heavy crosses to bear, but yet we still have trouble carrying them. And I wonder what the Lord thinks about that. God gives all Christians a few crosses to carry. And if you are questioning what crosses you're supposed to be carrying, let me, let me flesh some out for you this morning that are really simple that you can start doing immediately today, okay? Um, and this is within the context of the kingdom of the church. The Bible tells us uh, that we shouldn't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. It's really important, church, really profound. But you know what? For a lot of us, church has become a burden, right? Church has become a, a cross that we have to carry. I have to go sit with people that I don't know that well and listen to this preacher preach for a long time and the song service just wasn't the... And we turn it into a cross when it's supposed to be a benefit and a blessing. But if you want a cross to carry, the, the cross that you can start carrying now is listening to that passage in Hebrews 10.25. Let's not forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some are, 
but encouraging all the more one, one another as we see the day approach. And that's what you're here to do today, church. By your presence here, you're encouraging your brother and sister in Christ. So you can look across the pew from you, and you can just smile at that person because they're encouraging you and you're encouraging them. What a blessing. And guess what? That cross is not that heavy. <laughs> That's an easy one to carry. What else? Here's another cross that we can carry. We can be kind to people that aren't kind to us. Ugh, I know. <laughs> but you know, Scripture tells us that we ought to have a smile on our face. We ought to be joyous. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be able to give thanks in any and every situation because of this pain that Jesus went through to give us this ability to do it. Smile every once in a while. It won't hurt anything, right? What else? Well, there's a number of crosses that we can carry. Be kind. And how about this one? Volunteer some of your time. And that really requires self-denial. Volunteer some of your time to serve someone else, to expand the borders of the kingdom. And real quick, I want to just say this. For those of you here at this church that have been volunteering to teach classes, to lead singing, to, uh, to, to, to serve on the Lord's table, to pass out uh, flyers and bulletins, to greet, to, to media, to, to, to women's Bible classes, to comfort cafe. My goodness, thank you so much for your service. I think God is so pleased. And guess what? I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you haven't been plugged in and volunteering and giving up some of your time, God would be well pleased if you denied yourself some and went out and served others. I think God would be well pleased with that. We've got to learn to carry our crosses. I want to leave you with, uh, I want to leave you with this. There's a passage that I want to look at, or a picture, actually. Go to that next picture. Um, I think... This is the image that I want to leave you with uh, this morning. And I think this is the image that Jesus wanted to leave his disciples upon leaving this earth. He said, go and make disciples. Be about kingdom business. Go and serve, right? He wants us to do this, to be able to get down and to serve other people, to serve the church. But sometimes this is difficult because you actually have to get down on your hands and knees actually got to take somebody's foot out of their sandal Ugh. and put some water on it and actually put forth some effort and clean it. It takes a little bit of time. Ah, but Jesus wants us all to be servants of the kingdom and not consumers. But it's really easy to be a spiritual consumer in our culture today. And guess what? I don't believe the Mission Viejo Church is a church like that. We are a church of servants and a church of doers, not a church of consumers. And I think that's God's design and mission for the church. And like I said, in today's culture, it's really easy to do that. It's much more difficult to be a servant. And Jesus wants us to get to this place of being able to deny ourselves, pick up our crosses, and serve others. But that's hard to do because we first have to learn how to deny ourselves. Learn to deny how we feel about things. Learn how to deny what we think about things for the sake of what we know Jesus wants us to do. And this morning, we've got an invitation for you. Maybe you've been a church consumer too long. Maybe you haven't been carrying your cross lately as you should. Maybe you've been struggling with self-denial. Jesus is saying, everything that I went through on that cross, those lashes that I received... 
The cross that I carried up the hill, the death that I went through, is not for you to be comfortable in the church building and to sit back and say, this is great. But it's designed for you to say, you know what? Through that pain, I'm going to go do something because the Lord is worth it. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a member of the kingdom, we're inviting you to become a member of the kingdom. You could put Jesus Christ in baptism, on in baptism today. Or if you are a member of the kingdom and you've been falling short and self-denial has not been on your big priority to-do list, I know I'm there sometimes. <laughs> this invitation is for you to say, you know what? It's time for me to deny myself and get busy in kingdom work again. And I'm going to pick up my cross daily and I'm going to follow him in service. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing Song of Invitation?